The Turwa lords started their blood wars, enlisting children to fight in their armies. The long, sustainable crops began to die and wither, and that is when his head beast came out of the sea. The expanse, it signaled the end of our people's place here in the southern lands. But I was trained by my elder that there is one who will save our people, save our kind. Everyone and welcome back to more Skull and Shackles pirate action. This is Patrick, aka the GM here. Boy, howdy, do I have a tale for you this week? But the great thing about this game, about Pathfinder especially, is the story cannot be told by just me, a single GM. It requires back and forth with a player or two and a character or two in order to kind of really bring the world alive. And that is why this episode I'm so excited to invite to our shows officially my good friend and yours, Seth. Hello, Seth. I was tempted to not respond. Hello, Patrick. How's it going? <laughs> Just make it look like you were talking to yourself. I swear there's someone here. <laughs> uh, you guys uh, probably already know Seth uh, from his run as GM on non-standard action or as a, a player on more Twitch streams than I can count. More than me, at least. <laughs> and uh, you are also the main artist for Cosmic Crit that we turn to when we need some kind of insane alien drawn that there's like very little reference art to out there in, in the universe. Sure, yeah. For, for player characters. Um, yeah, well, welcome officially here to, uh, to Pirate Town. <laughs> We're just in Pirate Town already? We're there? That's, yep. Uh, there's a pirate to your left, and he says, R. I roll initiative? <laughs> oh, nope, already dead. It's real dangerous, Pirate Town. Well, we'll make a new character before right. we get started here. Okay. But I'm I'm very excited to sit down with you, uh, play some Pathfinder, as it's, this is literally one of the first times I've gotten to GM you outside of, like, society play, you know? <laughs> yeah, you, of you, time. You almost killed my first society character. I remember that. Is this, yeah, is that what you're using in Roll20 as your icon? Is uh, is some Sheeran art? Oh, that's a different Sheeran. You know mm. me. I can't stop making them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we have played, you know, games or GM games parallel to one another. But that's true. Finally, our schedules have aligned with the entire world shutting down and uh, uh, yeah, get you as a player. And uh, this has kind of been a long time coming. I feel like I've spoke to you about doing one project or another, um, trying to get, you know, a second stream or a podcast off the ground mm -hmm. since like 2018. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been really difficult uh, getting everything to line up. Uh, yeah. Being an adult just kind of blows. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I will say for the most part, like all my free time was going to Cosmic Crit. I'm very excited to have more game time um, 
from my personal life kind of free up, which allows me to do a project like this. And of course, the support of our Patreon backers who are listening right now. Of course. Thank you very uh, much. If they're if they're telling us they want me to GM more and record it, I will. But I was <laughs> I was reco- um, uh, GMing some Pathfinder first edition for uh, some friends uh, on Tuesday nights. And I, I play with some friends as a player in Pathfinder on Sunday nights. So like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I was playing Piso games every day of the week. But anyway, now, now you get my Tuesday and or some other night of the week nights. And horrific malicious gaze has settled on us now. (laughs) Now that that campaign has ended. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And I'm super stoked because technically this is going to be tonight. My first time ever GMing Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Uh, you are my first player. Uh, I don't count the playtest because I had no idea what I was doing then. Uh, it was really me and my friends just kind of like going through the the rules. But right. yeah, this is, this is like my first real foray. And I'm excited to share it with you and the other players here on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like yourself, I am more of a sci-fi fan in general. I love Pathfinder, mm-hmm. but uh, I was wondering, um, are you excited about some pirates, some fantasy action? Nope. <laughs> joking. Of course I am. Well, I was about to say, are, are you just going to turn be here. pretend your lizard folk is a uh, time traveler from the future? Yeah, he's a, uh, you know, he's a Vesk. Uh, I think if we are, if we, I guess we've already played, played uh, some of my characters' <laughs> hand. We. People know, people know I've got a lizard folk. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Brewed up here. Uh, maybe they will. <laughs> I don't know. But this this will be their first, like, real introduction mm-hmm. to your character. No pressure, but from what I've seen, you know, uh, you are also an amazing GM and player. So I've been building this interaction, this meeting of the minds up oh in my head for some time. Uh, are you ready to play? I'm ready to disappoint. Let's go. The story takes place over many centuries as we see a fine and bright shining city along the coast of the endless Arcadian Ocean taking shape. Clouds drift in and this scene turns into a nightmare. One your character has had waking versions of, but it's never quite remembered. It's one of rain and fire, pain and suffering, and one that is nearly impossible to understand with the waking mind. As you recall uh, a single seemingly static image, though, whenever you awake, it's in the distance, the great eye of Abendago, an impossibly massive hurricane that churns silently as a monolithic lidless eye in its center watches the destruction of a shoreline. The coast here is racked by the storm, reshaped in its image and floating in the rising tide. You see what looks like driftwood, but as you peer closer, it has thousands of human bodies. The black center of this storm whirls at an immeasurable speed as we focus on the darkness and something inside of it beckons awaits its chance to revisit its destructive powers yet again. But that was in the past, for it is now 
Seth, as your character awakes in a, a simple shack on that same coastline years later, that we see that you've had this nightmare indeed for the first time, but it feels like maybe you've you've had it an endless amount. One that will set you on an adventure. The nightmare of the destruction of the world in thunderous storms. And it's a dream that you were told to expect by your village elder, but not one that you had ever hoped to have, as it is among your people known as the unknowable dream. Uh, Seth, as your your character wakes up here, uh, tell us tell us who we're looking at, what we're looking at, what's their name, uh, the ancestry part of the Pathfinder Second Edition character creation. Indeed. So. Uh... The individual that is waking up after having this this dream is a uh, Eruxi or a, a lizard folk. This particular strain of the Eruxi is more coastal, uh, and as a result of of being built for and and living in these uh, these uh, marshlands, essentially. Uh, have taken on a little bit more of a crocodilian cast than the typical Iruxi have. Uh, his tribe in particular is uh, the Ahawati, the Saltfoot, and his name is Honto. Uh, he is a hunter-gatherer. Just make sure I have this right. Honto of the Ahawati. The Ahawati. Um, yeah, yeah, and you are, you know, living just southeast of... of uh, massive ruins along the coast in an area known as the sodden lands of uh, of grundy and yeah just um great organized land of many different tribes of peoples including several lizard folk uh what does your character do where do we we find them as as they wake the background part of pathfinder second edition character creation <laughs> background oh uh, his background, uh, we went with the uh, farmhand background because mm-hmm. ultimately he is, uh, that is that is what his job is, uh, though he, he doesn't really do a lot of uh, planting uh, and sowing. He's more of a hunter. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he does a lot more gathering. He uh, has a harpoon that his uh, father uh, left behind, uh, his father who is no longer alive, unfortunately. But uh, he has, in his tradition, taken some of his belongings, including this harpoon. He uses it to hunt for fish. Uh, it's a harsh and, life and out there in the, the salt salt lands. It is, but they're particularly built for it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that benefits them uh, is, is that not a lot of people find this land favorable, but they can tolerate it. So uh, that's, they've, they've staked up uh, a place here and are not often bothered by others. Um, you, you say you're, you're mainly kind of hunter-gatherer. Would you, like, live on or near the the lands of some of the farmers, you know, that, that have rice and other waterlogged crops uh, on the outside of the, the swamps? Yeah, so there, the, the, the village that they have here in the Sodden Lands, um, there is kind of a raised portion up on a hill, and that's mm-hmm. where a lot more of the... A lot more of the tribe has congregated, but yeah, there are the, the crops can get some sun up there. Yes, um, but uh, there are specific types of crops that grow out of the water, um, the the shallow, salty water here mm-hmm. in the marsh, and uh, there are other uh, stilt huts essentially up out further away from the main area of the village. And this is this is where he lives, and uh, 
Um, just uh, among, amongst the farmer, uh, the farmers and uh, the fishers, the fishermen. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a, an idea of of uh, your character's kind of like normal day, like um, going around, and would they um, mainly be uh, hunting? Would would they they be keeping to themselves mostly? Um, what, what, what do we see this day Honto doing? Uh, modern day Honto? Yeah, like normal uh, chore kind of things. So, uh, modern day Honto is a little bit more uh, of a busybody than he used to be. Um, these days, uh, it is not uncommon for him to leave uh, before the sun fully rises and return after it has almost set. Mm-hmm. Uh, he always comes back with with uh, as much as he can manage to to bring back with him uh, on the days he's expected to hunt. Um, but he doesn't interact with the village as much as he used to. Yeah, um, he has a bit of a a, a bit of a, a, a shadow cast over him these days. You know for a fact though that this dream is one that was told to you that uh, that you would expect. That, mm-hmm. that would come to you, and that when that tam- time came, you'd have to move on into town and, and speak to the village elder, um, Matia Keentooth. Is that something that you would push off, or do you think you would set out straight away? He would probably he he wouldn't he wouldn't dodge the responsibility, but it's not something mm-hmm. that he would immediately do. Uh, he, he would uh, uh, probably spend a little bit of time just kind of collecting his thoughts and uh, uh, just as a sort of precaution he he's going to gather some of his things uh, as though he were going to go on a trip uh, despite the fact that he's just going a little bit deeper into the village to, to meet the elder now you, ha- you have a sense that like something great is afoot like this is not a, a normal day um, as this uh it's almost difficult to remember like parts of of the dream, but uh, it feels obviously different than, than most days. Um, it is a day of portent. Well, it, it is somewhat overcast as we see you kind of leaving your your small hut there on the the hinterlands and can see the the, the town proper in the distance. But as you're walking that direction, you know, past uh, you know wilting swampland trees and. Uh, Walking narrow paths through some um, some marshland, where you know that you can like stick your your harpoon like a foot off the the path, and it goes down like ten feet. Um, sure. As you're stepping through carefully, you pass like one of the the, the town's main farms, um, kind of like a lot of communal land that's overtaken by uh, three or four farmers. And you see what looks like a path of destruction through some of the the plants here, as something has destroyed them. Yeah, I don't know if you have your character sheet up and ready, but I do. Do you want to make me a perception check? That's uh. Oh yes, I will happily. Now perception. This is this is different. They they've changed the way this works in, it, in Pathfinder. Everything, everything's different. They've changed everything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I will absolutely roll a uh, a perception here. Uh, let's see if this works. Yeah. Oh, hey. Looks like I've got a 16. It's still a D20 plus some modifiers. Um, that is enough to see in the underbrush. You know, you, you've seen all kinds of things get into these farms, these gardens, uh, skinks and, and snakes and things like that that are 
more pests. But this this morning, you see one of the larger creatures that's kind of looking for perhaps a free meal. Um, a scavenger known as a, a swamp centipede, kind oh. of traipsing through the grass, about uh, five feet long. You know, huge pincers, tons of little little legs. Um, those pincers, though, are strong enough to pierce a, a lizard folk's skin, so s- slightly dangerous. This this thing can't like stay here. You know, it would destroy potentially weeks worth of of food. How would Honto deal with this? Is this is something that certainly some of the other farmers look to the younger lizard folk to uh to get done. For sure. Um, and and so, with this, we're going to talk about your class, the C part of ABCs of making a character in Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. Edition. <laughs> uh, so uh, what I've opted for now, the, this class comes with a little bit of a, I think there's like some preconceptions about what this class means that a character looks and behaves like. Yeah. I've only got one image in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. Um and it's probably one of the reasons I've never sought to play one of these characters. Sure. I'm looking to dispel these preconceived notions uh, oh as, as I have selected a monk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this and is more to represent his pure instinctive martial prowess. It's not, yeah. this is not, this is not a representation of uh, uh like monastic training. This is not a representation mm-hmm. of, of uh, soldier school or anything like this. This is just his instincts and, and basic fighting techniques that are handed down amongst his, his tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, like I said, the, the uh, single image in my mind is of a human in some like flowing, <laughs> um, uh, crouching tiger style robes, right. you know, throwing kicks and, and punches and, and flying through the air. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of like the boring vanilla monk. Uh, but w- once again, you're already rocking a, a weapon. Um, yes. Uh, so it's slightly different. Very, very typically, uh, he will be seen with a uh, spear, especially when it comes to hunting. It's very, very useful, <laughs> a very useful tool for that purpose. <laughs> and this one is particularly from your father. So, uh, yeah, Ed, um, are, are you uh, just like setting straight away to approach this the centipede? Well, so you said that it has already, uh, it has already cleaved a path through the the reeds and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Are there other are there other uh, tribes folk nearby? Uh, not that you can see this okay. this early in the in the morning, but w- w- if you are moving in any closer, you can. Um, I forget to lizard folk have dark vision or or way to. Oh, let's <laughs> see all of the features. Uh, it seems like something they would have. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it's. And but you're, you're you'll have to you'll have to you'll have to forgive me because I'm not used to these dang. Um, character sheets <laughs> so <laughs> well the other thing is you have the aquatic adaptation so you're you're slightly different right yes so let me i don't know where this is located on this character sheet so i'm gonna go ahead and just look up the the lizard folk. uh so if you if you are moving at all closer uh, you can see in the the early morning here that it doesn't seem to be eating the the crops the plants it just is like tearing through them and 
you know, leaving them on the ground, leaving this uh, this food to rot. Hmm. Uh, this is not normal behavior for some. Well, first off, a centipede is usually a carnivorous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They um, will hunt though in places where there's like decaying things, so they'll, they'll eat other their bugs as well. Got it. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, would is there is the, in this system? You have to forgive me. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess this is a teaching moment for for myself and anybody who hasn't had the chance to play second edition yet survival can i use this to recall information about a creature and maybe learn some stuff about it yeah so uh this would be a good one for for survival you are trained correct yes so i'm i'm just going to allow you to roll that because i think i mean like you're you're saying you're pretty sure that this is not normal behavior uh give give me a check and sure gonna- ah 11 <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's more than enough because you oh. you have seen centipedes before like this. Um, this one does not look the same as you, you know, stalk closer to it. Something is off, and it's kind of oscillating uh, movements uh, through the the under grass here, as it seems like perhaps it's sick or has some disease. There are these huge kind of black marks along its carapace. These like blooms of uh, of, of darkness kind of like underneath and uh, you see many of its legs have turned black and some of them have broken off um, oh. but as uh, as you do get closer to it it uh, seems to like, rear up so it's like standing on only about half of its legs and does like a, a shimmy towards you hell bent on destroying you before you even get to episode one this is like episode 0.2 it's true uh so we're in combat okay uh it is coming for you to roll initiative in this instance uh if (laughs) if you don't mind i'm going to roll perception for this bug and if you want to re-roll survival, you can. If you want to roll perception against him, you can. I'm going to give you either of those as that's kind of what you were you were studying and and looking for it at the same time. Okay, so this takes place instead of your typical initiative roll. Is that correct? Yes, there there will be many different instances, but for the start of combat, like say you were wanting to sneak up on this thing to like mm-hmm. surprise attack it, you would uh, roll stealth. Um, ah, right, right. So uh, one one of the differences of Pathfinder Second Edition that I kind of enjoy, I I, I hated being <laughs> terrible at initiative, but uh, it's cool that you can use other skills depending on the situation. Yeah, so let's click the button and see what happens. Oh, that's a ten. <laughs> oh no, oh no. Um, let's see here. So I've rolled a little bit better. This thing does kind of turn on a dime and. It, it, they are normally very fast. You know, they can get those mini legs a pumping. What do they got? Like hundred or so legs? Yeah, <laughs> this one's only using about half of them. But like you're thinking about a millipede. <laughs> <laughs> What's a millionpede? <laughs> How many legs do they got? Uh, it, it's it's kind of serpentine moving towards you though, um, and eats up a couple of its actions as it doesn't make a straight line and kind of like moves around the backside of you and then comes up with those pincers and is going to try and spite at your ankles. So All right. I'm going to attack roll. Uh, what is your armor class? Uh, that would be 18. Okay. 
I'm rolling rocks tonight, so goodbye, haunt so forever. This is D to hit. I've rolled a 17 on the dice. Oh, yeah. Damage here. Max damage, three points, as those mandibles indeed, you can feel them just digging into your ankle, and uh, venom starts coursing through your system. It is very oh. weak, very dilute. Uh, you you might have been bit by one of these in the past, and it stings like the dickens but uh, immediately go ahead and make me a fortitude save yeah i'm sure that there's at least a little bit of mithridatism involved with uh <laughs> with uh living in this area <laughs> hey there we go 20 on the fortitude save all right excellent so you, you've made that save um and can just shake it off completely it doesn't seem like it is uh is affecting you here uh, that is its turn. It is your turn now. And right. um, I, I will remind our folks at home who have not played Pathfinder 2nd Edition, get three actions in, in this mode. There's a lot of stuff you can do with those actions, but do you have any idea what, what Honto would do in the sitch? Yes, thank you very much for reminding the, the people at home that there are three actions because that's definitely <laughs> something that I remembered about this system. Um, yeah, well, normally uh, Pathfinder First Edition, um, Starfinder, there's your main action, your move action. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, everything is just uh, usually one action. So moving up to your speed is an action. Right. Uh, attacking a single time is, is an action. There are some things that take like two actions, like a lot of magic casting. Right. But I don't think you have a lot of two action <laughs> abilities to do, at least at first level. Well, uh, actually, I would I would love to introduce you to <gasps> oh, oh, to uh, uh, <laughs> one of the the main features, the the bread and butter, if you will, uh, of, of the monk, uh, which is flurry of blows. But before that, mm-hmm. uh, so. Oh, I don't think I have the action economy for this. Mm, what are you thinking? I don't. So uh, what, what I will do instead of Flurry of Blows is I will use two actions to enter something called Wolf Stance. Ooh. Uh, wolf Stance uh, is a one of the new... F- I, I think these were like stances were in the initial Pathfinder, or at least they, oh, they yeah. played with them a little bit. There, there's uh, tons of different schools and, and, mm-hmm. and styles and stuff. Um, they're honestly, I'm, I was portraying monk, a little quotidian. It is a really cool class with, oh, sure. uh, with Pathfinders kind of, you know, um, infinite mm-hmm. possibilities. Yeah. Uh, they, they seem a little less mad, I guess uh, the acronym multi attribute dependent, uh, in this system than they used to be. Uh, so uh, a little bit more playable. But either way, that doesn't change the fact that Wolf Stance uh, means that uh, uh, Hanto here will will lower himself closer to the ground and like he, kind of, he kind of twists, uh, taking uh, more of the stance of a, of a, of a wolf uh, ready to start circling with his foe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... <laughs> they describe these attacks as 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 wolf jaw attacks, which I think for most <laughs> creatures is probably just a motion they make with their arms or an attack they make with their arms. Yeah, you I can't think see it, but on the Hanto, video, I'm making think, a wolf face with my with my hands. Here's some. <laughs> wait, hold on. How do you make the ears with a shadow puppet? Uh, a I think so. I think you do like you could do like you do like like <laughs> That is what your your character's trying to do with their clothes right now is making uh, shadow puppets. Well, I was gonna say, 
he has a pretty sizable jaw, so it's entirely possible that he might just use his actual teeth for this purpose. Sure, uh, if you want to style it like that, you can. I think for most monk attacks, you can, or, well, like, unarmed attacks, there's, like, elbows, knees, and, like, all, all kinds of stuff you can throw right. in there. Uh, so, uh, what these attack do, attacks do is uh, 1d8 piercing damage while you're in this stance. Um, oh, so it but they also have a great several. Deal. They also have several features. Uh, they are in the brawling group. They are agile. They have backstabber, finesse, non-lethal, and unarmed. Are all features of these attacks. So, I think what? the non-lethal is is optional. So I can, as an option, make this yeah, a yeah. non-lethal attack. The non-lethal ability, yeah, you wouldn't get like penalties to uh, to try and knock someone out with that. But right. uh, yeah, but wolves aren't typically known for their non-lethal bites, <laughs> right? So I will go ahead, and uh, I don't have this particular type of attack set up, so I'll just make a regular unarmed uh, strike for the attack roll. Uh, well, you, uh, you were saying you can f- uh, flurry of blows. It's only one action if that takes two. Uh, I don't think it is one action because uh, I think stance takes two and I think flurry is two. Um, I'm looking at. Archive Am I reading Nethys. the symbols wrong? Uh, well, yeah, well, one of oh, the is two. little you're, squares. You're correct. I'm, I was surprised as well, but you can only do it once per turn, which is kind yes, of, correct. Correct. That's that's the limitation, which I, I guess makes sense. Okay, um, so I, I will make indeed. Uh, I'll enter wolf stance and I will make two attacks. This character uh, already too op <laughs> <laughs> already. Uh, so the first attack is going to be uh, an 18 uh, versus yeah. AC. Yeah, that's and a this, hit. The second attack is going to be a 10. That's before adding the minus for, uh, or I mean, reducing for the second. Uh, but I don't think right. that's going to be it. <laughs> uh, that one won't. This one does seem less agile than than many of the, um, as I said, it's, it's somewhat sick and it is missing some legs, but that, that oh. second one will still be a miss. But go ahead and roll damage. All right. First let's attack this in here. Maximum damage. <laughs> okay. So there's no messing around with Honto uh, today, and you are able to just sever this thing in half. Like, it it was kind of reared up like a cobra, and you've chopped it in half with your, with your hand, bitten it off, and kind of torn it into into two pieces and it you know, is dead before you drop both pieces onto the ground. Yeah, it caught me a little off guard because I was too busy trying to figure out what was wrong with it. Uh, yeah. But it has paid the ultimate price if you get, for attacking. If you get some of its, you know, goo in your mouth, it does taste, I mean, these things probably don't taste great to begin with, but mm-hmm. it does taste brackish and salty and, and, and kind of gross. Um, there's definitely something wrong here. Yeah, and there's been stories around the um, the salt foot among your tribe of you know crops just dying to like unknown diseases, uh, things that they've not seen in these parts um, before, and more and more uh, normal flora and fauna um, dying off or uh, becoming sick like this. Um, and, you know, people people struggling as, for the last several years, crop turnouts have declined and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, this is definitely an, an ill portent. Um, as you finish this thing and, and get near the town, you find yourself flashing back, though, to the first time you came here, maybe years ago, uh, walking through the same 
kind of pathway, the the southern entrance into the the hill area. Yeah. Um, you can kind of dispose of the centipede as you're you're walking into. Uh, is this this area well, is the uh, Hapu uh, Zittel, right? Hapu Zittel. Oh, uh, the the hillside. Yeah. This this. Uh, let me. You're, you're testing me on my the only thing I, that I wrote. There's so uh, many cool names in the Sodden Lands, and we're, we're, we've come up with uh, most of them yourself. But ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, would be the Hapuak Steel. Hapuak Steel. It's difficult. Walking that path, though, you're just slammed with these memories of the first time you arrived mm-hmm. in this place as a thin tail, you know, a, a young boy of your kind. Um, right. How, uh, how'd your father pass? Do you, do you, do you have that? Uh, was he, uh, yes. Um, so the, <laughs> when his, when his father died, uh, the news came from, uh, a, a group of hunters that he had left with. Uh, he, it was, it was explained that, uh, a, a predator, uh, some large predator, uh, possibly a massive shark, hmm. uh, a, a squid or something, uh, ambushed them while they were uh, collecting fish. And as they tell it, um, he, his father, uh, Itsuman, uh, held, the, held the predator off so the others could escape. Um, but uh, since then, uh, he's come to doubt whether uh, that's, that's true or what actually happened is he simply got snatched up and was gone <laughs> rather unceremoniously which has happened along this this pirate coastline uh, many mm-hmm. times which we'll talk about but uh back in in your memories this is sometime after your father died you, the settlement you had down south where you lived um was displaced by some of the many warring turwa lords right. um the the lizard folks who are kind of like vine for for power and resources down there imagine it's a little mad maxian and in this caravan moving uh towards the this new hillside resident after miles of marching you see mothers with their clutchlings uh the the long-tooth elderly some with scale rot um uh, lizard folk kind of disease ravaging your your kind uh at the time years ago right and among them hantu uh you know, helpless to uh, defend maybe some of the rest of your your kin. Uh, we do see a young thin-tailed lizard folk carrying that huge spear and uh, helping to lead some of these others to Hapuzitil. Hapuzitil. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work on it. <laughs> and yeah, the first day you arrived in town, dedicating yourself to defense and... and um, of these people, you know, that, uh, that are taking you in, um, trying to get someone to help you in the ways of combat and tracking and things like that. The, the townsfolk here at that time pointed to the, the top of the, the craggy kind of cliff face overlooking the swampy inlet sea, um, on which the, the, the salt foot live. And as you climb this precipice, uh, you see, you saw this ancient-looking lizard matriarch kind of emerge from a, a small stone home, and she greets you. Uh, the name is Matiakin Tooth. Are are you the one 
the one who they sent here. Is this Young Hanto? Young Hanto, baby. Oh my gosh. See, I hadn't worked on a voice for Young Hanto. Yeah, we haven't even heard real Hanto. I mean, you That's can true. you can just say what your your character would say in this dream-like kind of flashback. Yeah, uh, Hanto, Hanto remembers uh, introducing himself. He <laughs> uh, just like nodded like a, uh, <laughs> a voiceless character in a uh, RPG. Yeah. <laughs> the main or, character just like mm, mm, mm. <laughs> or, 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 or somehow the, he, do, he doesn't remember what he used to sound like so somehow his, his, oh, yeah, his current, current voice. Your current voice. <laughs> yeah, his, his current voice emerges from his, <laughs> his, his young snout. Uh, his, uh, and so she asked uh, if, it was, if it was him who had, who had helped uh, the tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes, it's, uh, he says, yes, I am Hanto, son of Itsuma. I was told of the, from the spirits of the swamp. They told me on a day when no birds sang and the snake slithered backwards that one would come to replace me as the dreamer for our people and said they'd know him and mark him as such and he would wish to know the lost ways of our old kin and train out until the day he had the dreams of the before time. The old lizard kind of shakes her head as if uh, agreeing with the blowing of the wind over the swamp, the, the bristling of the, the willow trees, but looks back at you, you know, pleasantly surprised. Maybe you see a, a small crack in the scales as she, she smiles and says, You shall train with my son, the leader of the people here, Tepeu. He remembers being a little taken aback by this moment and uh, uh, hearing back then that, that he could take on the role of a, of a, of a dreamer. Uh, yeah, what that exactly seem like is. Something, <laughs> the, he, it's he, an important he, role for sure. He had heard, you know, mm-hmm. he, he has heard of, of this role. Uh, he doesn't know what it entails. Uh, th- these days, uh, he, he understands what a dreamer is. But now feels like that that life or that destiny is even farther than it was that day. Uh, it doesn't make any sense that that's something that he could ever attain. Yeah, this was years ago, and the the first time that you you met both the the village elder and her son, as uh, he emerged from the hut, and you see a a lizard warrior, you know, not much older than than you are, but who looks a lot more worldlier. There's scars and kind of cracked scales showing the history of local animal bites and, and claw swipes, maybe bladed wounds from other lizard folk, uh, all of which seem to have healed naturally and, and not with the aid of magic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we you, you might have a, a few more memories here as you're walking through town of places where you've trained together, you know, um, swam through the swamp, um, traded blows with with spears and swords mm-hmm. and since then kind of worked on becoming an equal to Tepeu uh, who possessed an untold wealth of, of martial abilities that was handed down to him from his father who, who passed in, in the war. Right. Yeah, and uh, you kind of like snap out of it as you get into town here and you, you um, hear the, the rest of the villagers uh just waking up still and in, uh, in, in going about their their normal business um, 
how, how do you think uh, villagers greet you here at, as you come into town? Um, so it's 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 a little complex. So uh, the the aforementioned uh, relationship between uh, between Hanto and and Tepeu, um, two they are two completely different stations in the tribe. Uh, Hanto, essentially being a farmer, uh, is seen as one who should be by by many at least is seen as someone who should keep to his own kind uh but uh even when not training or or uh uh not uh going through any of their duties uh, uh hanto and tepeo would uh, often be seen uh just kind of s- spending time together uh, mm-hmm. as friends uh playing and whatnot uh, but in uh, in in the modern time uh, the day you have this dream though mm-hmm. um and walking through town um Tepeu is gone and you're still here yes. and s- still helping out the other farmers and, and doing things like <laughs> killing yes. disease centipedes that are so running uh, through their crops yeah there there's been many uh rumors circulating uh, ever since uh, ever since the day where Hanto came back and Tepeu did not mm-hmm. um, and he is definitely not as focused as he used to be um, and and this is uh, something of course that uh, Matia knows is that uh, he has much less interest in his training um, so he to some he is still an accompli- uh, accomplished hunter uh, he, he's still heroic but others are kind of recognizing him as the um, the wasted potential uh, or or just uh, the fallen uh, his, his fallen stature from from what he used to be yeah maybe they treat you a little bit better when Tepeu was around but mm-hmm. um, those of you uh, farmers and things that you help um, are grateful and and one who maybe you help plant crops will nod at you and maybe mm-hmm. pass some copper, try to give you some copper coins as you walk into town. Uh, the young clutchlings here, they don't really know any of the adult <laughs> things, but they mm-hmm. just know that you're a a, a warrior kind of guy with mm-hmm. a spear and all kinds of scars. So they might play shadow box with you, like their little supple claws just bouncing off your scales as you walk in. And this you know, when you came here as a as a thin tail, you you saw kind of a thriving city, um, mm-hmm. uh, one just small enough to kind of avoid harassment from larger lizard clans, but um, able to support itself all the same. But in just the last few years, um, crop yields, like I said, have dwindled, and, and food is starting to become uh, scarce, where it was once a little more abundant. Yeah, and yeah, the entire town is just starting to band together during this time. Um, you kind of pass by the these stilted homes, including uh, the town's largest building, just a, a huge meeting hut of um, these huge uh, crossbeam tree stakes, and mm-hmm. there are kind of being used as a, a home of convalescence now, as there are villagers kind of falling falling ill to all kinds of swamp diseases and. Uh, other unknown infirmities. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, instead of uh, instead of discarding uh, the, the the centipede from before, mm-hmm. he probably would have uh, uh, <laughs> found some sort of way to to bundle it uh, and 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 carry it with him, at least part of it. Uh, yeah, so that he can uh, chop off the, its the, head. <laughs> <laughs> the the intent is to is to bring it uh, to to Mattia uh, sure. when he goes to see her. Um, yeah, climbing up the the hill uh, as you have many times in the past towards the the elder's hut, uh, you get the, this overwhelming feeling of nostalgia. But the um, the the hut is a lot sadder now. Uh, maybe overgrown with like weeds and and vines that are kind of choking the trees nearby. Um, already up this morning and seemingly extremely busy is the the ancient grayscale lizard who is wearing traveling clothes mm-hmm. and is seems to be um, putting things in a a, a pack, slinging it on her back. You kind of hinted at this, but uh, her son passed away. They, they, you both had a, a tragedy. In mm-hmm. um, you guys were training on the coast, and you and Tepeo both were attacked, enslaved by pirates looking for gladiatorial fighters. Something that's happened to too many um, peoples on the the sodden lands, and it is an unspoken thing between you as uh, while you were able to escape to pay you your friend and the, the elder son did not make it out alive. That was years ago. And she has just become more withdrawn and seemingly resentful in that time. Um, yeah. Her attitude kind of shows here as well. She doesn't even greet you. Um, and yeah, in, in many years has uh, barely strung together sentences uh, of more than like three or four words. Yeah. Um, um, so I kind of used to this ritual um, uh, Hanto would uh, approach and and uh, stay on the other side of the precipice of her of her home and uh, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of uh, lower to his knees uh, put down his uh, his offering of the centipede's head as a as a talking piece perhaps. And, and and uh wait for her to acknowledge his presence so he does not interrupt her. He knows that she'll talk when she's ready. Uh yeah, she gets done kind of packing her bag in and looks at what you've you've left almost on her doorstep and uh comes over and whatever you had it bundled in, she just like flicks it off into the the bushes and uh gives like a, a croak almost and you, you can hear her drawing forth like bile from her throat. And spits it out in its direction and uh, says I I have feared that this was the day I I have heard the swamp whispering of a sea change coming last fortnight's tide washed ashore black weeds unknown in these parts the skies are awash with red at dusk you had the dream and it is time that we make the trip. I wasn't aware that you would be going with me. It is my my burden to walk alongside you. Uh, we, we make for the towers of the scholars as the dreams have taken you now and I cannot protect you longer, no more than you can protect our people with your claws alone. 
We have many miles to journey before we rest. Let us go. It looks like she's prepared for perhaps days worth of adventuring and you've already brought some supplies and things with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you. Do you have any hesitation about going with her? She is indeed uh, <laughs> ancient. Like, you know, imagine a 90-year-old woman kind of saddling up <laughs> and, and, and ready to walk miles. Right. That's what you uh, see here. Despite the strain on their relationship, um, he still has a great deal of respect for her and harbors a great deal of guilt uh, for whatever transpired uh, and as a result uh, just kind of silently resigns himself to, to following her and uh, will not help her unless she specifically requests it or he can get away with helping her without her noticing <laughs> that he's yeah. helping her uh, yeah and it's indeed a long stretch of travel mm-hmm. Um uh, if if you inquire, she'll she'll say you know half a week, like three days, um, and it is slow going as her her base speed will say is about fifteen feet. Um, so she's kind of shuffling, uh, maybe mall power walking if you want to get that in your head. But um, on uh, the end of the second day, um, she might stumble along the path here and there and like push you away even if you try to get uh, close to, to help her up um, right. so there's some some banged knees and maybe uh, a broken claw here or there but uh, at the end of the second day you find uh, a fairy um, which she pays for just a, a single uh, lizard folk kind of pulling a barge across this this large river and from there yeah travel is is easy as uh, as you take that to uh, another boat she kind of will just watch you um, that entire time if you have like training or meditating that you do I'm not sure what your your downtime for Honto looks like here but if you're um, not talking uh, are, are you doing anything else uh, I, I'm sure that during an extended uh, period of, of silence he would probably have tried to broach the subject of, of the, the dream mm-hmm. uh, at some point to, to try and get some understanding out of it because sure. uh, as as we've as we've as we've discussed um the whereas everyone else or or at least most people uh refer to this uh phenomenon uh in the sea to the west uh as as the eye of abandago or mm-hmm. abandago uh they have uh the the uh, ahawati have their own beliefs yeah. as, as to what it is and a different name for it altogether lots of different tales um, told from different tribes and, and, and things down here in the sodden lands. Um, if you try to broach the subject with her, she will like quickly silence you and, and say, not here, not here. Well, uh, all right then. <laughs> so uh, typically uh, what he'll do uh, because he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a particularly meditative sort. Mm-hmm. Uh He'll, he occupies his time with physical memory, uh, so he'll typically try to find a a spot that is safe where he, he can he can do these these motions. But uh, he he will usually practice the the act of, of spearing or 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 uh, some similar uh, motion, uh, and he'll just redo it 
time and time again silently yeah. uh, until someone breaks him out of the, the, the practice. Um, yeah, it's not long. The rest of that third day is is traveling um, up some some estuaries, uh, different kind of connecting parts of, of a river. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the journey, uh, it's, it's, it's nighttime and you find yourself kind of overlooking an immense bay of what looks like dozens of sunken towers. Um, and as, as soon as you see it, you recognize it vaguely as having appeared in your dreams. Uh, this is the old city of Hyrantum. Matia will kind of instinctively, instinctively um, realize that, that you immediately recognize this place as well. And she'll say, um, this is the place where our people's destiny awaits, or where we shall find the doom of old. We have uh, some journeying still, but be mindful of your steps as we tread here upon many graves. The dead walks the riverbeds, along with creatures called by black magic from the depths. Uh, she leads you to what looks like a, a hidden small boat on the, the shoreline here. Um, you can make it seaworthy as you mm-hmm. uh, paddle your way out to one of uh, many half-destroyed towers. It looks like four or five stories, um, but is destroyed at the top. In it, it could have been much higher in, in the past. Uh, you can tell that the the top is open to the air, exposed. Um, is the, is mm-hmm. the water clear enough to, to kind of look below the surface and, and see these these dark shapes continue downward? Uh, they, I mean, you can maybe see 10 feet or so. There is oh, okay. a lot of seawater here, uh, okay. as well as what looks like um, uh, mixed sands in, in things from the, the lakes that kind of feed this um, uh estuary uh, around the city so gotcha. it's um, it's a little little brackish a little um, uh, unfit for for many sea creatures as it's both a mix of salt water and and fresh and you don't see a lot poking around down there maybe mm. maybe crabs on the the shoreline and things like bottom feeders but sure uh, you, you can see that the the tower does go down a good deal as as these are um, uh, sunk in a great, great deal. Um, you do get to what seemed to be a window at one time of, of a tower, and uh, she very slowly kind of crawls into it, into a stairwell that uh, she she leads you upwards. Mm-hmm. And at the, the top there, uh, where you reach the exposed level of this tower, you see, you know, that uh, a full skyscape of, of night has kind of settled over the uh, the Arcadian Ocean. Um, you see millions of stars from this destroyed uh, tower. Uh, she sets about starting a fire with some sun-bleached driftwood and, and sets up a, a small kettle near it uh, and starts burning incense from her pack. Um, uh, she oh. makes uh, a root tea and um, kind of sets these fragrances uh, alight and all of a sudden, the, there's very familiar smells of the the swamp filling this this small open air room. Um, so, is this you said that this this uh, particular level of the of the tower has been broken open and is yeah, exposed? It's it's maybe like half covered. You can see like um, 
uh, bits of what would have been a floor above, um, but you can there's like half of it is destroyed. So uh, gotcha. imagine imagine the tower was kind of like uh, cut at an angle, <laughs> and right. uh, uh, a, a lot of kind of detritus has filled the stairwell and this this floor. But yeah, she can clear a spot and you can sit where you can find it. And uh, she will say, you know, here, this this is where you must tell me of your dream. So recalling the details, um, it was what had happened was, was uh, from from the the uh, uh, hurricane, mm-hmm. which they refer to as Hapu's rage. Mm-hmm. Um, it was under a, a, a red sky. And, and bodies had begun to wash up. Is that is that what it was? Yeah, no, you can, as soon as you start talking about it, you get like more and more bits and pieces. I don't know if you've ever like woken up and completely forgotten a dream and then like you're doing something throughout oh, the day and you're like, oh. absolutely, yes. Yeah, and this is three days past, but it, it comes flooding back to you quite literally. <laughs> you, you see, right. you know, these towers being flooded, uh, waves, you know, um, thousands of feet high, kind of destroying the shoreline. Yeah, um, um, there's like hill crazy flashes of uh, of a giant eye and, and things of that nature. Uh, he he'll go on to explain um, that the sky the sky was red as though as though bloodied, and I remember looking out towards 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 the rage of Hapu mm-hmm. and. Many small things, distant at first, they came washing ashore. I saw bodies, bodies of, of many men, humans. It was as though Hapu was no longer satisfied with the destruction of this kingdom, he says, and he kind of gestures at the, the towers surrounding them, mm-hmm. because uh, the story as it, were, as it was is that Hapu, uh, uh, this is a... Uh, Oh, shoot. What was the name of this place again? Um, Hirantum? Hirantum, yeah. This was a part of Lyrgan, right? Yeah, it's a a vast uh, section of civilization in in these parts. And from what you can tell, it was was very advanced. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, this was about, from from the stories, about 100 years ago or so that the coastline was kind of destroyed. Yeah, and uh, his people were, uh, their people were freed. Uh, from slavery as a result of the the kingdom being destroyed by this this uh, this hurricane um, in in the south, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She she'll you know ask you you know what what do you make of it? You you see the destruction of those soft skins on this coast years ago. Well, what does it tell you? I don't know. You don't know why our people are susceptible to the dreams of the humans. It was the Lagerni who dealt with lizard kind as equals years ago, unlike to the south where we were in chains. There was one of their kind who even helped settle tribes in these lands hundreds of years ago. And they used their magics, stones that they said fell from the sky. They used them to help us, these star stones. There were three stones. One they used to calm the storms. One they used to enrich the soil. And one that protected our peoples. 
The elders here kept a pact with the scholars and helped bring them specimens. We traded our, our farm goods with the humans and they they helped us. We enriched one another, so it is said. And when this world fell, so did our people. Many resorted to the old ways of tooth and claw, dominated tongue and, and, the, and the wisdom of the elders fell, fell away. They fell into acts of aggression, angry with the humans, angry with one another. It is the same story of our kind. The soft skins now, they call us savage. Though we were not always this way, do you think our people can change their ways, Hanto? I don't, I don't believe so. I think it might be best to simply reside separately. You would say that, but residing separately, our crops have, have died, our lands have been invaded, our people kill one another. There is but one way that we can save them. Those star stones were our people's promise to keep, and the last of the three rocks was lost years ago. Pirates from the southern seas plundered this coast for valuables over and over. And when the last stone was taken from this place, that is when the pact was broken and disease and war overtook our people. The Turwa lords started their blood wars, enlisting children to fight in their armies. The long sustainable crops began to die and wither and that is when it is said beast came out of the sea and the expanse. It signaled the end of our people's place here in the southern lands. But I was trained by my elder that there is one who will save our people, save our kind. My elder told me that I would sculpt him and I I thought that was my son. I thought that was Tepeu. But alas, I now see why that was not to be. I cannot forgive you for living and, and my son for not. But I, I must fulfill my duty. Oh. As, as this conversation continues, uh, uh, Hanto's hands, which have been kind of resting in his lap, are clutching a little bit tighter where they rest. Mm -hmm. um, is greatly uncomfortable uh, at the notion of... of uh, having any kind of responsibility put on his shoulders, one, and and two, uh, by the oracle. <laughs> she seems to kind of, like, wipe away some of her anger um, and says, I, I cannot swear vengeance against you for living, only against those who wronged our kind. Honto, I shall forgive you if you go in place of my son. Fulfill his destiny to return the star stones here, to bring back the terms of the pact, set right what has been wronged us. What say you? The idea of returning to some kind of normalcy, it has some appeal uh, in, in Hanto's mind, mm -hmm. but he's extremely trepidatious about it. Um, that said, uh, thinking about his station back at home, and, and how how his life has turned out. If there's something he can do to, to, to ease his guilt, to, to reclaim some of, of what he, what his family used to be. Mm -hmm. He just thinks about this for a moment and he just quietly nods. I will 
I will do what I can to honor your son, Great Oracle. Um, uh, she'll kind of poke at the fire for a bit before continuing on and um, holds a stick, which uh, she kind of lights up and will move it uh, across the room as she, she gets up and, and drinks her, her tea, looking uh, looking at the stars. She says, the, the humans here would elect one of theirs destined to explore the heavens above and return magical treasures to benefit their kind. That role eventually came to one of our people too, and you, Honto, are the last to take this title. They called them the Star Saviors. Do you, do you feel it? Do you feel the weight of what I'm asking to do, you to do? Mm. Star Savior. (laughs) Star Savior. That has... Don't you love being a a Jungian archetype? Uh, (laughs) There's... In the hero complex. There is so much weight in a name like that. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't comprehend what this can mean, but uh, he's so overcome and, and overwhelmed by the situation that he can't help but just kind of nod. It's a little bit of a crooked nod, but he says, yes, great oracle. Those words in a Ruxy kind of like ring in your ears like you've heard them before. Um, mm. She will say it in common, though. The the, the tongue um, maybe is unfamiliar to you in, in the village, but uh, yeah, she'll, she'll say it in both and uh, continue and, and say, uh, you've trained for hardships in your past. You are strong and wise like Tepeu was. And you know now how the world outside our village can hurt you, even when you are trying to help save it. There are many out there who do not understand our needs, those of our kind. But if you are successful in reuniting the Star Stones, it is said our kin will be led into a new age, one that was promised many years ago, but lost. Yes, Great Oracle. The old lizard kind of takes the this burning stick she has and puts it out, sharpens it against the ground, uh, takes its its blackened end, and goes about drawing the the pale, smooth, worn stone here uh, amongst one of the walls that's still standing while drinking from her heady brew. Um, She draws a shape on the wall, uh, you know, just some more lines and and symbol forms, and says, Do you recognize this, Honto? It is very clearly uh, a human, mainly symbol, a pirate symbol, and one that you recall seeing the time that you were captured and enslaved alongside Tepeu. This symbol brings me great pain, Oracle. They took you like many of our kind. They'd snatch up any they could feed to their death pits. When they took you down south, the soft skins have a name in their common tongue for the place they, they would have you fight. Green blood for the blood of our kind spilled there. Um, it is a, a very uncomfortable memory of, of your time in the, the fighting pits uh, of Black Rock. But uh, yeah, her mentioning it and Tepe's, um death, you know, brings up all these memories of mm-hmm. you having to, to, to fight to, to survive while hundreds of pirates drank and you know, paced, uh, placed bets on, on the victor. Um, the... The fighting was under a huge banner, one that for some reason got your attention every time you 
you stood under it, this this massive banner kind of fluttering uh, in the sea breeze, uh, a long black flag with a symboled uh, a symbol embro- embroidered onto it. Uh, the same one you see here in the the soot on the wall here, uh, but you remember its colors and hues very vividly. It was a golden crown of skulls on a, a black flag. This is a pirate symbol. Their kind are those who have plunged us into ruination, but their kind can also be our land's salvation. You must go where this symbol leads you and find out what you can of the Star Stones. The Elder Prophecy is one that will return peace to our lands, and I believe that you will be our people's star savior, Anto. He um, lets this information sink in and kind of... uh uh searchingly looks up to see if he can catch her eyes uh when you do she is for the first time in many years staring at you dead center kind of crocodile tears in her eyes not <laughs> not normal crocodile tears but like actual tears right right um they're uh, like uh, half anger half sadness that you see there in, in her expression with the the weight of of what she's saying and, and and these expectations and all of the complexities the complexities tied up with with this uh, duty he just while looking directly in her eyes just says I'm sorry she, she'll move out and like kind of place a, a claw on your, your shoulder and just really like digs in there as she um, doesn't say anything just kind of like nods and will offer you a, a cup of of tea silently and as you both kind of share a drink and, and watch the embers of the fire shoot up and kind of crack into the the night air mingling with the stars some music starts up in the distance as we see in your future weeks passing by traveling here uh, down south Honto traveling by, by land and sea on this quest seeking the symbol until, you know, you are directed in a world very far from your own, a world of, of villains and sin in untold pirate lands, the capital of the so-called pirate nation and the home of many black flags with crowns of skulls on them, the city of Port Peril. But that's a tale for another time because that's the end of this character introduction. <laughs> Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, thanks so much for playing with me, Seth. I know that I promised you like a ton of other additional character background stuff uh, that is written. I think I told you I wrote like 10 pages or so, but apparently five or six pages will get us to like an hour. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> we we but, both take, we both take, like to take our time, I think, with the role play details, perhaps. <laughs> I know for a fact, though, that uh, the rest of these uh, details and some more of your backstory, what happened at uh, Green Rock and, and things like that will come up. But yeah, that's that's a, a good enough introduction right now uh, to start us off and, and start you in Port Peril, where our adventure is going to take uh, place, where it's going to start. What exactly are your dreams as the Star Savior? Uh, you know, what happened in your time as a slave in Greenblood, uh, the death of your your friend, and 
all these things we're going to explore in in greater detail in future adventures. Um, how are you feeling, Seth? How are you feeling about Honto, about your PC so far? Oh, well, you know, um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's been, been, been sent on a, on a mission way grander than he ever expected himself to be on by somebody who has become estranged to him and now finds himself approaching a, a capital full of the very kind of people that uh, he, he has come to despise more than anyone else. So I don't know what could possibly go wrong. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you, everything seems great. Uh, I mean, at least in, in the combat there, uh, you, you've illuminated me to how maybe powerful <laughs> a monk character can be. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, I don't think we got, I don't think we said it, uh, but that, that maximum damage he did was 11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> immediately murdered this centipede, but, uh, I honestly wasn't trying to kill you in the first zero point whatever episode you gotta give me some um, time to get attached before you take him away from me yeah 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 but yeah this is the world that you're gonna be fighting in fighting to keep safe the sodden lands uh my first instinct when you told me you wanted to play a lizard folk was i think what a lot of people's was you know those are like the evil club wielding bad guys that kind of mm. kill humans in most <laughs> uh, fantasy adventures um right. don't see a ton of sympathetic lizard folk npcs but uh the the salt foot peoples and kind of the the backstory you've crafted here mm. i very much appreciate and uh like you know your take on the the monk that we're going to get here i think it's going to be very interesting yeah well, you know me i can't i can't write a monster that isn't somewhat sympathetic <laughs> like that's just kind of what i do like that's that's i have a i have a long history of this well, that's that's my life as a GM in, in general as the uh, somewhat sympathetic monster of the podcast. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so are you excited to drop this character into the world of of pirates, of piracy? Do you think that their, their morals and their mission, their personality is going to survive that? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I, I thought about this. It might, it might surprise you, but yeah. uh, I knew that this was a pirate campaign going into it. What? <laughs> so writing a character from all those conversations we had. <laughs> so so writing a character that uh, fundamentally has a disdain for pirates, mm-hmm. I thought would be a very intriguing way to interact with this game. So I am excited to see where it goes personally. Believe it or uh, not, you're going to fight some pirates at some point in the future. That's weird. <laughs> they I, will be bad guys as well as good. Oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah, the next time we play uh, together, we're going to be playing with the rest of the cast. You guys <gasps> are going to be really thrust into an adventure. I cannot wait to get you into that. Um, I can't yeah, wait to meet them. Un- until then, thanks so much for agreeing to be a part of the the Cosmic Crit family for so long, Seth. Well, thank uh, you for inviting me, and no, thank you I, for running. I really, truly mean that uh, for allowing me to be your, uh, to be my first player in this system, and uh, allowing me to be your full time GM is going to be exciting from 2020 and beyond. Um, yes. And everyone out there, thanks for listening. We'll be back with more of this <laughs> piracy action uh, before too long. Uh, thanks again, Seth, and goodbye.
Dead Men Roll No Crits is sponsored by the Cosmic Crit Patreon. Each episode is published to the public on a seven to eight month delay. To catch up on the show and get access to new episodes on initial release, make a monthly pledge on the Cosmic Crit Patreon page.